Do you know that the Old Testament prophet Jonah, the son of Amittai, was a prominent prophet that was a contemporary of prophets Hosea, Amos, and Micah? He ministered in the course of the northern kingdom of Israel. Do you know that the location of Nineveh is in present-day Iraq? And Nineveh was the largest city in the world in its time. Do you also know that Jonah was the first missionary to be sent by God to a foreign nation? The lesson of Jonah is so powerful that it can transform your life in a hurry and make you a force for God in this world. You are welcome to this episode of Sunday School with Jerry. I'm Jerry, your personal Sunday School teacher for today. Let us go through the lesson of Jonah and expect God to press his word into our hearts, inspire us to serve him better with unwavering obedience, and to impact our society through our lives with powerful revivals of nationwide salvation of souls, miracles, signs, and wonders in this season of our civilization. Our topic today is titled, Jonah in the Belly of the Fish. Jonah in the Belly of the Fish. So how did this matter of Jonah begin? How did he get stuck in the belly of a monster fish? It started when God said to Jonah, Hey, go to Nineveh and warn them that I'm going to kill them all for their appalling wickedness. And Jonah's response was as if he said to God, You must be joking. Me? Preaching Nineveh? God forbid, I'm not preaching. They are bad guys. Don't give them a chance to repent. Kill them all. Nuke them to ashes for all I care. You may ask, why would Jonah not want Nineveh to be saved? I have an admissible reason. Around the time 740 BC, the neighboring country of Assyria was a constant threat to Israel, and Nineveh was Assyria's most powerful city. And prophets Amos and Uzziah, who were contemporaries of Jonah, prophesied that Assyria would be used as God's instrument to punish Israel for their wickedness and incessant rebellion against him. So. Any patriotic Israelite like Jonah will long for the destruction of Nineveh, right? Jonah would have wanted to delay the punishment of Israel through an Assyrian invasion by dodging the call of God to warn Nineveh of impending judgment. Jonah would have wanted God to destroy the terrorist city of Nineveh so as to protect Israel for some time. The Assyrians are the ancestors of most of the anti-Semitic enemies of modern-day Israel like the government of Iran and uh, terrorist organizations like Hamas, Al-Qaeda and ISIS. Jonah may have fled from God's call because he doesn't want God to spare any terror-promoting nation like Nineveh was. A lot of us today can relate to Jonah's reaction. We naturally want God to destroy our enemies. But the will of God reaches far beyond our desires for self-preservation and vengeance. God's ultimate plan is that all men will be saved, our enemies included. This was why Jesus, the Savior of the world, who is God's perfect substitutionary sacrifice for the redemption of all mankind, compared his ministry of salvation through his death and resurrection after three days to the three days that Jonah spent in the belly of the monster fish. The story of Jonah taught me that in spite of my disobedience that may have landed me into terrible trouble. It's so good to know that I belong to the Almighty God who can give me another chance to obey and serve Him. No matter how horribly I may have messed up in the recent past, no matter how bad the consequences of my sin may be, no matter how devastating the personal repercussions of my disobedience may be, since God can raise the dead, He can still deliver me for His mercy's sake, for the sake of His everlasting love that is always faithful even when I'm unfaithful. He waits to hear me pray for forgiveness, and he breaks through my impossible dismal situation like a rushing mighty wind and saves me, 
snatching me out of the fire, restores me, recommissions me, anoints me to serve him again. And by then, I would have learned my lessons. The scars of my calamities will always remind me of the consequences of rebellion against the will of God. The scars of my calamities will remind me of how God has loved me with an everlasting love and has counted me worthy to be a prime minister in his kingdom, a prophet to a rebellious nation that he, God, also wants to save just as he has saved me. Hello? Are you still there? Alright, let's continue. In the last Sunday school class, we talked about Jonah's matter in three parts. 1. How Jonah fled from God. 2. Jonah faced a storm from the Lord. And thirdly, 3. How Jonah was led to admit his disobedience. So let's revise the parts of the lesson again. So let's read from Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise! Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid a fare thereof, and went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Here we see God speaking to Jonah. It's a precious and priceless thing to have God speak to you, you know. God, Jonah was one of those prophets that was privileged to receive God's words for his time. A brief historical background check on Jonah shows us that the first time he was mentioned in the Bible was in connection to King Jeroboam II of the northern kingdom of Israel who restored the borders of Israel to its original territorial expanse by recovering lost lands from Hamath to the Dead Sea, according to the word of God that Jonah prophesied, as recorded in 2 Kings chapter 14 verse 2, which says, King Jeroboam restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath unto the Sea of the Plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spoke by the hand of his servant Jonah the son of Amittai, the prophet which was of Gathhepha. So Jonah was a renowned servant of God and also called the prophet from Gathhepha, not a prophet from Gathhepha, which implies that he's a well-known prophet with a good record of service to God and is not a novice in hearing God's voice. However, in the case of God's call to Nineveh, Jonah unfortunately reacted negatively to God's command to warn Nineveh of his concern that their wickedness has reached the level at which divine judgment of total destruction becomes inevitable if they do not repent. Jonah's response to the concerns of God as expressed in God's command to go preach in Nineveh was not partial. Jonah's response was not partial but outrightly negative and contrary to the will of God. He did not rise in obedience and run in disobedience, but his intention from the onset was to do what he pleased. His intention was to disobey even before he made his move. This was why he went in the opposite direction westward to Tarshish instead of going eastward to Nineveh, and he got into serious trouble. So you see, when I walk in disobedience to God's will, I will live a stormy life without the peace of God, without peace with God. When I walk in disobedience to God's command, I will keep falling short of the grace of God, going down and down and down, just like Jonah. Disobedience turned Jonah 
the great national prophet of the northern kingdom of Israel into wasted fish food in a stormy sea. Oh, even the scriptures in the passage we read subliminally pointed out the downward trend of the disobedient prophet. We read in Jonah chapter 1 verse 3 that he went down to Joppa. In verse 5, he went down into the ship. In verse 12, he went down into the stormy sea. And worst of all, in verse 17, he went down into the hot burning belly of a sea monster fish. So let's read uh, the other part of the passage. Um, Jonah chapter 1 from verse 4 to verse 6. He says, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was likened to be broken. Then the mariners, that are the sailors, were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What do you mean, O sleeper? Arise and call upon thy God. So we see here that God sent a wind into the sea to cause a storm, a very tempestuous storm that threatened to, to wreck the ship. Every life would have been lost. The, the sailors tried all they could. They lightened the load in the ship by throwing their wares into the sea but to no avail. So we may ask, why did God send the storm? We saw that the storm was both an act of mercy and judgment of God in that it came to punish, to save, and to reveal the omnipotence of the God of Israel, whose we are and whom we serve, and that He is the only God. The mariners, the sailors, tried all they could to save the ship against the tempestuous sea, which was vehemently threatening to tear the vessel apart with the raging waves. When the sailors got to the end of their strength, each one of them cried out prayers to their gods to save them. They realized that it is a spiritual battle in which uh, ordinary human wisdom and strength cannot, uh, cannot prevail. Their little false gods could not answer, could not help them, could not save them from imminent death. However, through the providence of God, the ship captain found Jonah fast asleep and screamed at him, Hey! How could you be sleeping when we are all about to die? What do you mean, O sleeper? Arise and call upon your God. Now this is reminiscent of the fact that the world is calling to us, to the sleeping church to rise and pray, bring God into their situation that they might be saved because their gods, their economies, their systems, their ideologies and religions cannot save them from hell. Only the intervention of our God can save, for it's only the God of Jonah that can save the sinking ship of a dying world. For there is no salvation in any other God, because there is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we can be saved, but the name of Jesus Christ alone, who died for our sins, who was buried in hell for three days and three nights, just like Jonah was buried in the belly of the monster fish for three days and three nights, and rose again for our deliverance, our redemption and full salvation. So to round up our review, we also learned how Jonah was identified as the cause of the storm when the mariners, the sailors, had a congress and through a system the Bible called casting lots, they found out that the storm came for Jonah. 
By the way, casting lot is a kind of a spiritual voting system known as cleromancy, which is a form of divination by randomly picking numbers or rolling dice to make a decision that cannot be thought through. So by casting lots, they found out that the storm came for Jonah. Then they became so concerned and began to question Jonah to identify himself. When Jonah spoke up, the providence of God was set into motion. The power of God was made manifest to save and to restore Jonah to his service with no losses at all. So welcome to the second part of this lesson, Jonah in the belly of the fish part 2. Our central truth for this lesson states that whosoever runs from God can never get away from him. Whosoever tries to escape God's presence, we find that he is omnipresent, present everywhere that he chooses to be, and omnipotent, able to do whatever he chooses to do whenever or however he likes. No one can get away from God. No matter how far you run or how deep in sin you hide, you will soon meet God face to face. It's possible that Jonah didn't understand the omnipresence of God. He thought uh, the manifest presence of God in Israel puts a limit on how far God can go to catch him. Jonah may have thought that God only operates within the borders of Israel. Jonah may have thought that if he runs in the opposite direction to Tarshish, he will escape the jurisdiction of God. I guess if he had known that God is in the sea as well as on the land, if he had known that God is everywhere, he wouldn't have bothered to run. He was like the ostrich running from a predator and buries its head in the sand, thinking that if it cannot see what is chasing it, what is chasing it cannot see it. It's such a foolish position to put oneself in because reality is not subjective. That which is real does not depend on your perception of its reality. God is God whether you believe he is or not. In his providence, God can meet you anywhere, no matter how hard you try to run and hide from him. God is omnipresent. That means he can be both present with any person in a manifest way. Just like the psalmist said in Psalms 46 verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15 says, For Thor says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and with him also that is of a repentant and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the repentant ones. And also omnipresence means that God can be present in every situation in all of creation at any given time. Just as it is written in Jeremiah 23 verse 24. Can anyone hide himself in a secret place that I cannot see him, says the Lord? Do not I feel heaven and earth, says the Lord? And again in Psalm chapter 139 verse 7 to 10 says, It is written, To where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the outermost part of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So let's take this lesson in two parts. First part, we consider again why the sailors threw Jonah into the sea. And secondly, what God prepared for Jonah. Let's read uh, Jonah chapter 1 from verse 7 through to verse 11. It says, And they said everyone to his neighbor, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us, we beg you, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is your occupation? And where, 
are you coming from? What is your country and from what people are you? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this to us? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of God, because he had told them. Then they said unto him, What, what, what shall we do to you, that the sea may become unto us? For the sea was very wrought and, and very tempestuous. Okay, let's discuss this. Uh, in this lesson, we see that God will make some moves to restore his disobedient ambassadors back to fellowship and effective service for him in order to extend his saving grace to people that are in dire need of it. God has permanently determined to walk through men to do his work on the earth. So in his mercy, he will order circumstances, no matter how distressing they may be, to restore rebellious and erring people. So why did the sailors throw Jonah into the sea? Jonah spoke up and confessed that he is a fugitive running from the Almighty God. Let's read again Jonah's answer to the mariner's question. The mariners asked him what his job is, where is he coming from and his nationality. And Jonah replied in Jonah chapter 1 verse 9, he says, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. When he said this, the sailors began to shake with fear like dry leaves in the winds of the Hamatan. They said, oh, why did you do this? What? Why did you run from God? The greatest God of all is chasing you with judgment and you did not see any other ship to run into but jump into our ship, bringing your deadly curse upon us. Oh. So, so, so what do we do? What do we do? What do we do to you so that we can be spared a horrible death in this angry sea? So they cried and begged him for a solution. Do you know the solution that Jonah suggested? Jonah told them to throw him overboard, to dump him into the sea, and the sea will be calm. It's like the prophetic anointing on Jonah started waking up at that moment when he boldly confessed his faith in God in the face of death. Jonah was ready to sacrifice himself for the sailors to be saved. This reminds us of, of Christ. This is another point to show that the history of Jonah is typical of the purpose of Christ's death and resurrection, which is to give up his life and die for the sake of the salvation of lost humanity. So Jonah stepped forward, testified of the only true God, and surrendered himself to die so that the lives of everyone on board that ship will be spared. Oh, may you be bold enough to admit your sins openly and confess Christ even if it will cost you everything. Abide in Christ and serve him to the uttermost extremity of the human condition, even if it will cost you your life. However, after Jonah's surrender, the sailors still tried for the last time to control the ship with all their sailing abilities so as to spare Jonah, all to no avail. The judgment of the stormy sea cannot be averted by the works of man, just as salvation cannot be procured by our religious rituals or any other form of endeavor. The more the sailors tried to fix the problem themselves without accepting the sacrifice of Jonah's life, the worse the storm became. 
This is teaching us again the sufficiency of the sacrifice of Christ for our salvation. There is no salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved, but the name of Jesus Christ alone, Acts 4.12. Also to him Jesus gave all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believes in him shall receive remission of sins, Acts 10.43. The only way the sellers can be saved is to accept the free gift of Jonah's sacrifice to die for them. Their own efforts to escape the death that the stormy sea brings is an exercise in futility. They applied all the laws of marine navigation known to man but nothing worked. The ship was still in peril of a fatal wreckage at any time. Just as it is written that a man is not justified by the works of the law but by the faith of Jesus Christ. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Galatians 2.16 But that no man is justified by the works of the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11 So the only way that he could live is to accept the sacrifice of Jonah by faith and throw him into the sea. So the mariners stopped their useless efforts and prayed to the Almighty God, surrendering themselves to the sovereignty and providence of God by faith on the prophecy of Jonah that his death will save them. They asked God for forgiveness for having to kill Jonah and threw him into the sea. And as Jonah sank and disappeared into the waves, the sea became totally calm, the storm lifted and the wind abated, the skies cleared up as if nothing had happened. And the men feared God and started worshipping him from that moment onwards with sacrifices and vows. So what happened to Jonah after he sank like a stone into the sea? Note that Jonah entered into the ship as a rebellious renegade running away from God. But the Jonah that plunged into the sea was a repentant man who was willing to sacrifice his life for the salvation of strangers. God foreknew this change of heart in Jonah. That was why he prepared the fish to give Jonah a second chance. Jonah didn't know that there was a monster fish waiting to swallow him and transport him to the coast of Nineveh. He didn't know he's going to survive the sea. So think about this for a moment. If you will repent, God will make a way to save you no matter how impossible your situation may be. So the second part of this lesson is how God prepared for Jonah. Let's discuss it in two sections. 1. The purpose of the storm for the repentance of Jonah and the salvation of the sailors and 2. The preparation of the monster fish for the deliverance of Jonah and his restoration to his calling. So if I may ask you, what was the reason that God sent the storm? This was the reason God sent the storm. That is to turn the sailors to faith in the one true God to redirect Jonah so that he might repent and be saved from being lost in apostasy and to go preach in Nineveh for souls to be saved also. The sailors were saved from physical death and at the same time converted to the only true God. Their worldview was changed permanently and they can now bear to their own people the testimonies of the Almighty God who calmed the seas and the uselessness of the false gods of the religions of this world. In the second section, we see that God prepared a monster fish. We read in Jonah chapter 1 verse 17, Now the Lord has prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. 
We see that from the time Jonah backslided and ran from God, God prepared a storm and a fish to bring him back to the position of his destiny, back to salvation in him, back to the place of effective service for the salvation of Nineveh. Note this again. God had prepared a fish to swallow up Jonah. This means that as a servant of God, as a son or daughter of God, your present distresses most likely are not caused by some ancient demonic foundations in your ancestral lineage or some arbitrary satanic attack. Though it sometimes may be the case, but the distress may have been orchestrated by God, prepared by God to bring you back to a position of commitment to Him and the service of the gospel for the salvation of the souls for whom you have been destined to reach with the life of God in you. So, just as the raging storm and the belly of the fish was prepared by God to restore and reposition Jonah, God may be doing the same thing to you. So you may have to slow down on your pursuit of deliverance and miracle invoking ministers in all those questionable religious cycles of modern Christianity and focus on your repentance. For if you are at peace with God, every other storm in your life will cease or ultimately work for your good. Okay, now let's proceed to our key scripture, which we should memorize. That is Jonah chapter 2 verse 2. That's our memory verse. It's the beginning of that great prayer of Jonah which God heard and answered with a miracle. So Jonah 2 verse 2. I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell I cried, and you God heard my voice. Jonah chapter 2 verse 2. Let's say it together again. Repeat the four sentences after me. I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell I cried, and you God heard my voice. Good, good. Now let's say it together as one verse. Jonah chapter 2 verse 2. I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me, out of the belly of hell I cried, and you God heard my voice. Good. Uh, this memory verse speaks of the penitent cry of Jonah from the fleshly grave of the stomach of a sea monster in the deep dark marine world of the Mediterranean Sea. And also it speaks of the mercy of God, how God heard his prayer from a terminal place of no return. So let's discuss this verse briefly. Two words stand out as a reason for Jonah's prayer cry. These are one, affliction, and two, hell. You know that hell is the eternal prison of lost souls where there is unquenchable fire and worms that do not die. So why did Jonah describe his situation in the stomach of the monster fish as being afflicted in the belly of hell? I'll tell you why in a moment. This is why Jonah described his horrible condition in the stomach of the monster fish has been afflicted in the belly of hell. Through science, we discover that the stomach of fishes performs a higher rate of proteolytic digestion of their food. This means that their stomach has a high acidic pH and releases a chemical called pepsinogen with a high concentration of hydrochloric acid to digest protein and, and burn up their food for fast absorption of nutrients and excretion of the waste. This means that when the monster fish swallowed Jonah into its belly, Jonah suffered acid bones all over his body. His flesh was being digested in the slimy, acidic, dark grave of the belly of a sea monster. And also note that in the stomach of animals, there are parasitic worms that feed on the ingested food. Only God knows what those worms did to Jonah's body. 
This was why he described his situation as hell, where the fire cannot be quenched and the worms do not die. He was in severe burning pains and terrible affliction that no one but God can deliver him from. So what did he do? He knew he had to pray like he had never prayed before. The first verse of Jonah chapter 2 is the core of the history of Jonah. Jonah chapter 2 verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Oh, may I understand the unfathomable power of prayer to the Lord my God. For God can deliver me out of the worst condition, if only I will cast off my distractions, ignore the world and pray with all my strength. God can deliver me out of the most terrible state of destruction and loss, if only I will cast off my distractions, ignore the world and pray with all my heart. God who raises the dead and calls the things that be not as though they were, can bring you out of every grave that your circumstances may have buried you in. If only you will cast off the distractions of sorrow and worldliness and pray today like your life depends on it. Your intelligence and abilities can only take you so far. But when the chips are down and your cookies begin to crumble, it's only fervent prayer to the Lord your God that can save you. So Jonah prayed and prayed. Note this part of his prayer in which he said that I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Jonah 2 verse 6. This part reminds us of what King David the psalmist prophesied by the Spirit of God concerning the burial and um, resurrection of Jesus Christ when he said, For you, God, will not leave my soul in hell, neither will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Psalm 16 verse 10 So Jonah prayed and prayed, and it was like God was waiting for the last part of his prayer, in which he struck a chord in the heart of God when he rounded up his prayer with thanksgiving, total surrender and faith in God's salvation. Jonah said, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that which I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah 2 verse 9 And as soon as he said that, God spoke to the fish, and, and it moved up from the bottom of the sea and vomited Jonah on dry land. In summary, Jonah went into the ship as a renegade. The storm changed his heart and he went into the sea as a repentant sacrifice and came out on dry land from the belly of the fish as a reformed, reborn prophet of God and brought an unprecedented national revival of repentance and salvation to a terrorist country by preaching only two sentences with eight words, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Jonah 3 verse 4 In conclusion, note that Jonah's ordeal of passing through a terrible storm and being buried alive in the belly of a fish that was digesting his body for three days shows the irreplaceable importance of preaching. Because without preaching, the power of God that brings repentance and salvation can hardly come to save sinners. Jonah had to preach to Nineveh because there is no other way. The word of God must be heard in Nineveh or the justice of God will destroy the city. 
It is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. In verse 21 it says that the world by wisdom knew not God, so he pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It is written again in Romans chapter 10 verse 12 to 15 and verse 17 that for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach except they are sent except they are redirected except they are positioned to preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of god jesus also called us to repentance through the message of jonah by mentioning that jonah is a sign of the salvation that he provides jesus said an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and none shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah Matthew chapter 12 verse 40 our modern societies qualify more as an evil and adulterous generation than the people of the first century who first heard these words from the lips of Christ we see people rush after signs and wonders from suspicious sources and we do despicable things to see a performance of the supernatural without considering the crucial matter of repentance that God gives to those who will surrender to the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ who died for them and rose again to impact them the transforming, renewing, eternal and holy life of God. Jesus continued to say that for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. Matthew chapter 12 verse 40 to 41. So think on this for a moment. We must come to terms with the fact that irrespective of who we are, what we have, or where we are from, we owe it to God to avail ourselves for His service, to connect lost people back to Him through communicating His word directly to lost people around us and supporting the communication of His word to the lost word of our generation. And know that even if we may have disobeyed God and turned to our own ways like Jonah did, let us also be quick to repent as Jonah did and confess God before the world no matter what it will cost us. And also know that if you keep running away from him, God in his mercy will come after you with raging storms that may sink your ship in order to get your attention and call you back to other. God is a loving God, but he at the same time is a consuming fire. He can hurt you in order to save you. So may God bless you and all that you do. So this is the end of today's lesson. Thank you for listening and kindly share this podcast with your friends and family and tune in again for more episodes of Sunday School Lessons with Jerry. Have a nice and safe day today and remember that you've got no permanent problems, my friend. All you need is a word from God.